Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Welcome to Rightly Dividing the Word. So glad that you guys are here tonight. Man, let's get your Bibles out. Let's get ready to dive into the Word of God tonight. I'm so glad that you guys are joining me tonight. So before we get started, let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for who you are, God. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, so much for your church, for your people. God, I thank you so much for your plan. God, I pray right now, God, that our hearts and our minds and our ears are open and ready to receive the word of God tonight. God, we thank you, Lord, that by your spirit that you're helping us and you're leading us to all truth tonight. Lord, we don't want to just be hearers tonight. We want to be doers of your word. So I pray, God, right now, God, that as we're hearing your word, Lord God, that we're receiving your word, that we're being changed, touched, and transformed by your word. God, thank you so much for what you're doing tonight. We love you. We believe you. And we trust you for all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. All who agree says amen. 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 All right, well, we're continuing and we're journeying through the book of John. Tonight, we are in John chapter 15 tonight. And uh, last week, Pastor Donald uh, was uh, wrapping up uh, John chapter 14. And one of the things that we saw last week is that Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, almost in a way that uh, parents would have conversation with their children. Um, One of the things that Jesus was saying is that, look, it's better for me that I go away. Um, it's, it's like Jesus was tying up some loose ends and getting some final things done and um, situated for the church for him to go. And he was basically letting us know, look, it's actually a good thing that I go because when I go, the comforter is coming. So it's like the comforter is going, is co- is going from com- being with you to being in you. Now, at that time, they didn't realize what great news that was, but it was great news. Amen. Amen. Jesus was basically saying that the spirit is familiar to you because you've been with me the whole time. So when the the Holy Spirit come, the comforter come, you're going to recognize him because he's a lot like me. You've been with me. One of the things that Pastor Donald said last week is that uh, um, Jesus was leaving a will. And Pastor Donald says that uh, uh, says that we just read read what the will of God is. Basically, like any other will, there are certain stipulations or things that has to be done in order for it to actually be a will. The person writing it has to be over 18 and some other things that has to be done. And basically, he was saying that Jesus was leaving a will to his disciples, continuing his will. And he was uh, trying to communicate that to his disciples that just because I'm going, I'm leaving a will to you. I'm willing, I'm leaving that you will carry on my will. Well, tonight we're going on to chapter 15, and I'm excited about chapter 15 because there's so much good stuff in there. And I'm going to try my best not to talk too fast, but there's a lot of stuff in it. And I really, 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 really want to talk about all the great things that's in chapter 15. 
Uh, and I'm not sure if any of you are like me, but when I read the word of God, I see imagery. I see it's almost like a motion picture. I read the word of God creatively. Like, you know, I use my creativity with it so that I can see what Jesus is doing. It's like I, I, I imagine who he's talking to. I imagine the posturing that he's uh, and the way that he's talking to the disciples at the time. And chapter, as I read chapter 15, that's what I saw. And one of the things that I see is that Jesus is meeting with the ones in whom would continue his work. And so these meetings and these last words that he was talking about was super, super important. Now, we haven't gotten there yet, but in John chapter 17 and 20, it says this. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And so he's knowing that the things that I'm teaching them are so important and these moments that I'm spending with them are so important, not just for them, but for those who will believe through their message. Amen. And so out of all the things that we say, out of all the things that we teach and that we preach and that we say, there's nothing more important and priceless as much as the last things that we say. Do you guys get that? Nothing is almost as important or as valuable as the last things someone says before they go on. I spent the last hours and the last days and the last moments with my mom, and to this day, I recount and I replay some of the things that was said, some of the things that she asked for, some of the, the, the things that she requested. I, I zone in on these moments because I see that these are times that are not wasted. These are times that are very important, and just like... Uh, uh, when anybody's last moments, these were Jesus's last days, last moments spent here on earth. So these things are very important. In the very last verse of chapter 14, Jesus said this. He says, arise, let us go from here. That's the very last verse in chapter 14. And as we begin to uh, start on to chapter 15 today, I see Jesus saying, arise, let us go from here as if he's standing up from a table. Right. And he's saying, come on, let's go. And in my mind, I see Jesus the way I've seen my parents or the way some of you have seen other people when they say, OK, well, we got to go. And then they go to the entryway or to the door and they stand there and maybe they talk for another two hours. And then you walk over to the car door, you open the car door and then you like, yeah, yeah. And you're talking for another two hours. I believe the conversation was something like this, like that. Arise, let us go from here. But as they were going, Jesus was still talking and Jesus was still teaching. So as we go into chapter 15, Jesus is walking and talking and he's going from one location to the next. But he's teaching is I believe I believe he's stopping and he's talking to them. He's instructing to them. I don't know, maybe if they're in the doorway of the building that they were in before or maybe they're now in the corridor I'm not sure but I believe that this conversation wasn't sitting in a classroom they were walking and they were talking or they were standing in a certain positioning of we're going to a place but before we go I want you to get this and so chapter uh, John chapter 15 let's read verses 1 and 2 it says I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me does not bear fruit if, um, if every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Jesus starts off with, I am, and that is very important for lots of different reasons. Every time Jesus said, I am, something amazing and something big and something bold happened, and as he begins chapter 15 saying, I am the true vine. 
Every time I am was spoken by Jesus, they were very important statements that were being made. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, he says, I am the door. Another time in chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. In John chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection. In John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, here we are in John chapter 15, and he says, I am the true vine. We know that Jesus taught using parables and symbolisms all the time, but listen, this was not a parable. This was not symbolism. He says, he didn't say, I am like a vine. He didn't say, I am almost like a vine. I, 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 I can come be compared to a vine. He didn't say, think of a vine when you think of me. He says, I am the true vine. Amen. Of all the plants and all the herbs and all the other parables and symbolisms that Jesus has given, almost like remember that time he talked about a seed or a kernel or a, a mustard seed. He's used these, these different analogies all the time, you know, in different times. But this time, of all plants, he says, I am the true vine. And one of the things that's really important about uh, realizing this is that the vine plant is a perennial plant. And what a perennial plant is, it means that it's not just like a, like I have a certain plant and there's a certain time of year I know I'm going to see a flower from that plant. Or, so, uh, or an apple tree. You might see an apple tree and there's a certain time where you know that you're going to be able to, it's harvest time and there's some apples that's going to pop up on that tree. But a perennial plant, a vine, a grapevine is a perennial plant, which means it doesn't just yield its fruit at a certain time of year. It yields its fruit many times, over and over again. It's not like a one-trick pony where it's like, if you missed it, you missed it. You got to wait a whole nother year. No, it's constantly yielding fruit, constantly, in season, out of season, all the time. It doesn't just yield its fruit once a year. Once the fruit is yielded, you can't tell from whence it's coming. That's another thing about a, 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 a grapevine. I mean, like the fruit are popping out from everywhere. You got grapes from the rooter to the tutor, from the front to the back on the side. I mean, they're everywhere. Once grapes start budding and starts yielding, you, a, a grapevine is just, it's full of fruit. And another thing, and another way that you can look at a grapevine and you can pick it out versus the imposters is because they, a grapevine is the only one that has these things called tendrils. Now, tendrils are these little, these little um, plant, little curly, little, they look like little thin hairs that come out from the plant and they don't, the fruit don't pop up on it. There's no leaves that pop on it, up on it. It is strictly just for climbing. It's strictly just for climbing and attaching itself so that the plant can go up and reach up toward the sun. Wherever the sun is, the tendril's job is to clasp on and grab hold of whatever it can to be able to brace itself so that the sun can be able to interact with this perennial plant. The grapevine is the only one that has it because there's many other plants that look just like a grapevine 
just like a grapevine. But if it doesn't and, and is not able to climb, then it's an imposter. And Jesus says that I am the true vine. And there are so many things that Jesus was saying in that because what he's saying is that the same way I yield fruit in season, out of season, the same way I do whatever I can to brace myself, posture myself, position myself so that I'm able to get in front of the sun, the same way the grapevine does, that's what I do. And the same way I do that, I'm telling you that you ought to also. Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. He's the one that cultivates. And we, being his peoples, it's for us to allow the fruit to continue to grow in us, in season, out of season, making sure we're bracing ourselves so nothing's blocking us from the sun the same way the Jesus did it, our example did it, so should we. The vine is for producing the wine that makes the heart merry. The vine is for producing the wine for medicine to heal sorrow and a sorrowful heart. The, the vine is for producing the wine which represents the blood that was shed for you. Jesus said, I am the vine. The vine is so useful for all kind of issues and all kind of circumstances. And over and over again, we have Jesus chapter after chapter, whether we're reading through John or we're reading through Matthew or we're reading through Mark, it doesn't matter over and over again. Here we have Jesus introducing himself to us and into our lives because the Old Testament, Old Testament was all about us trying to do it in our own strength. It was all about us trying to figure out what is the formula, what is the do's, what is the don't, all to come and um, to come to find out that we're still over and over again going to um, fall short. But here we have Jesus telling us that I am the true vine, and those and here we if we find ourselves in Jesus, we're going to constantly be pruned. So let's read John fifteen three through six. It says, "You are already clean." Because of the word which I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. He starts this off in a very interesting way because he says that you are already talking about here. Nobody says nobody was dirty. Like, why would he start off and say, but you are already clean? You are already clean. I'm clean from what? What do you mean? But he goes on to say, why? you are already clean. He says, because the word, because the word that I have given to you. So there's a pruning process. We saw that at the beginning of 15. And then he goes on to say, but you are already clean. The teaching of Jesus Christ, basically, I'm going to say it in these terms that some of you can understand, is straight lace, no chaste. For the others of you that don't understand that, no delusion. Like there's nothing deluded about the teachings of Jesus. There's no personal agendas here. There's no additives that's been added in for a self-seeking Bible scholar that maybe want to try to control people or control uh, a group of people to do something. No, Jesus is saying that you're already clean because you've learned straight from me. So here we have a grapevine 
with branches who represent us, and he's basically saying there's constantly going to be a pruning. But then he goes on to tell the disciples, but don't worry because you are already clean. Okay, so that tells me that we are the branches, Jesus is the vine, God is the cultivator, and there's constantly going to be some pruning. And the pruning is happening. Why? Because we're not hearing it straight from Jesus. We're hearing it from us reading our Bible. We're hearing it from our, our teachers and our preachers at the church. We're hearing it from us trying to understand and have our revelation and be fed and be led to all truths by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, listen, as you go on, people of God, there's going to have to be some pruning because sometimes there comes a lack in our understanding. So you're going to grow through the word, but there's going to have to be some pruning. Why? Because sometimes in all our getting, we don't always get the understanding that God is trying to get to us. Sometimes in our getting, we get the understanding that we want to get. Maybe we're searching through our Bible because we're trying to prove a point to somebody. Maybe we're trying to read an argument. I'm win an argument. I'm not sure what it is. But God is saying, Jesus is saying, every once in a while, there's going to constantly be a pruning. There's some things I'm going to have to snap off of you, clip off of you you cut off of you I don't care how long you've been in church I don't care what your experiences point to there's some things you're going to find out no babe I got to cut that off because that if I can let you to continue to think that way if I let you continue to act that way and think that it's acceptable because that's based on your understanding of the word you're going to lead yourself and others astray so God's saying there's constantly going to be a pruning but at this time, he's telling his disciples, but don't worry, you've already been clean because I've given you the word straight lace, no chase, no agendas, no additives. It's been straight from God straight to you. So what I'm trying to say, even today, even today in our staff meeting, we were talking about the fact that I don't know how many years I've been in the faith and I'm still learning and unlearning some things. And I'm realizing, Lord, I thought that is what you were saying. And I found out I was wrong. God is still pruning because God is the cultivator. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and he's constantly going to be pruning. Amen. The thing is that when a grapevine is left unpruned, when a Christian is left unchecked, when a person is left in isolation, when a person is left to their own devices of, I know the word, I don't need a teacher, I don't need no help, I don't need no accountability. When a grapevine is left unpruned, which means uncared for, unnurtured, untended to, the grapevine begins to produce this thing called foliage. I might be saying it wrong, but foliage or foliage. But it's just a bunch of leaves. And it just gets crazy. And I don't know about some of you ladies, but I think it's cute. When we clip it and we put it to those little, that little white fence thing and we'll put all the foliage in there and we might put some Christmas lights in there and we decorate it and we're like, look at that, that's cute. We just made a cute little faux wall. But faux walls are for separation and foliage are for creating forests. And you know what all those things do? It just block out the sun. It just creates shade for us so that we can like separate ourselves from the sun, separate ourselves from the truth, separate ourselves from anybody saying, hey, 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 you're going the wrong way. Hey, 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 you need to be pruned. Hey, 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 you need to cut that off. Hey, 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 that ain't, that ain't, that ain't what God's saying. A grapevine that's left untended to creates a foliage, a big old forest, a big old hot mess. Somebody can say, yeah, well, once it was a grapevine that produced 
grapes that produced great wine, but now it's just a forest of all these collected doctrines and collected uh, sayings and, you know, people saying, yeah, well, you know, the Bible says that uh, a hand in the, in, in a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And, 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 and God said, you know, if you turn twice and you squat once, then, you know, you're going to have, you're going to be prosperous. I mean, like all of a sudden you're a collection of foliage. Haven't been pruned, haven't been set straight, haven't been corrected. As a matter of fact, you set yourself up so that you can't be corrected. Faux wall. Just cute for decorating baby showers and bridal showers. So Jesus is saying, I am the grapevine and you are the branches and the branches get pruned because my father is the one that cultivates. But don't worry, you've already been taught. You've already been cleaned. You got taught from me. So don't worry. And the only thing we know that foliage is good for is shade. And one thing that we don't want to be is a shady Christian. One of those Christians that says, whatever makes you comfortable, then I'll say amen to it. Whatever makes you feel good, then I'll say amen to it. That's an unpruned Christian. But Jesus wants us to be good at being able to receive correction, being able to receive, okay, Lord, I, even though I've been in church for 20 years, I'm seeing that this is an area that needs to be pruned. And the quicker we are to admit in that and the quicker that we are to being open to that, the quicker that we are to be able to start going the right way and start producing even better refined fruit. Amen. So Jesus is calling his, his disciples clean for now because Jesus is knowing that I'm going to be leaving soon. But don't worry. Right now you're clean because Jesus has been their teacher. No filtration is needed when you've, been, when you've taken the time to learn the truth from the truth. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Many times partnering with Jesus has made me appear to be smarter than I am. I don't know if any of you guys have been used by God, but I'm telling you, you come off the stage sometime or maybe sometimes you come from a meeting. You're like, "Woo! I had the right answer. And that was awesome. You know what? That should have been recorded. I might want to play that back for myself and amen myself in the back. Sometimes partnering with Jesus can make us appear a lot smarter than we are. And honestly, I've had to have many talks with myself and remind myself many times that it is not I, but the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of being a branch connected to the vine who's being cultivated by the Father. When we partner with Jesus, everything works. But if your flesh ever convinces you that it's you, then that's when the transformation from seed bearer to firewood begins. If you aren't partnering with Jesus, you're just firewood. Can I say it again? If you aren't partnering with Jesus, you're just setting yourself up to be firewood. No matter how good God's gift look on you, sound on you, make people feel good, it does not matter. You are setting yourself up to be firewood. It's the partnership. It's being a part of the vine that makes it work. No matter how versed you are at scriptures, no matter how good you are at singing, no matter how great you are at prophesying, it don't matter. But it's in the partnership with Christ that makes it work. We can think of going rogue from Christ anytime we want, but go ahead and think about being firewood later. We've seen it many times. 
We've seen it many times where people are like doing amazing things and they start off doing it for God, loving God, proclaiming God, declaring God, but all to going to a destination of a great fall. Firewood. Jesus is instructing them to stay connected to me. Stay connected to me. He knew the wolves were coming to to scatter the sheep. Stay connected to me. We must stay in partnership in order for it to work. Okay, let's go on to John chapter 15, verses 7 through 10. And Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, whatever you desire will be done. I want to read Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. It says this. It says, beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily why it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through, through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. We're talking about abiding, abiding. Abiding points to being able to stay on the inside of Christ. Can you guys just say that with me? Because I want you to get this part. This part. Abiding means staying on the inside of Christ. Yes, Romans 8, 1, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus is saying, if you abide in me, We got to get this point about abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ happens when we continue being a part of the vine, which is Christ. Continuing in the word that he left heaven to earth to bring. He came to bring the word from heaven to earth. We have to allow that word to abide in us. That is how Christ is focusing on his word. I want to break this down a little bit because I want you guys to have a practical way of knowing how to examine and know that you are abiding in Christ and not just practicing on the outward of being a good Christian. Because just like before, we talked about a grapevine and imposters of grapevines. If you don't have no tendrils to climb up, to position and posture yourself toward the sun, that means you're just a fake Christian What is it? A form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That ought not be. We're not going to be like that. Abiding in Christ happens when we continue being a part of the vine, which is Christ. Continuing in the word. Okay, so how do we abide? Through the word of God. Through the word of God. And I want to give you these, these couple of things. We abide through the word of God, through knowing him, believing him, remembering him, and and, and per, per, uh, preserving him. I always want to say persevere. Preserving him. 
Okay, knowing him, believing him, and remembering him and preserving him. I want you to ask this question. I want you to write this down somewhere in your notes or just jot it down on your phone because I want you to ask yourself this tomorrow. I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I embodying in God's word? Am I abiding in God's word? When you get to the I, do the am I, insert your name, abiding in God's word. Whatever your name is, am I blank abiding in God's word? Do I, number one, know him through his word? Do I know the Lord through his word? Remember before when I was telling you, whenever I read the word, I put imagery in my mind because I'm trying to train myself to focus my entire intellect on who he is. I literally have imagery in my mind on the way I believe Jesus looked, the way I believe he postured himself when he was speaking to the disciples because I have uh, uh, um, dis uh, disciplined myself in knowing him through his word. John Chapter 10, 4 through 5, it says, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Do we know the Lord? Do we abide in his word? Does the, when we read the word, does it help us know him? That's the first thing. Do we know him? Secondly, do we believe him? John chapter 13 and 19, it says, now I tell you before it comes that when it comes to pass, you may believe that I am he. Do I believe the word, the Lord, when I read his word? Does it help me believe him? Three, remember, do I remember him? Joshua 1 and 8, meditate on this word day and night. Meditate on this word day and night. Why? So that I can remember him. When I'm going about my day-to-day, -day, there's something in me because I've taken the time to put the word in me that I'm going to remember his word and it's going to become, I'm going to be able to walk it out in wisdom. Do I abide in the word in such a way that it causes me to remember him? Do I preserve him in my heart through the word? Luke 8 and 15, it says, but the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, kept it and bear fruit with patience. Do I keep the word? Do I keep the Lord in my heart through his word? The answer prayer that Jesus speaks of in verse seven is all about the connection and partnership in the vine. He's just talking about abiding. We're talking about abi abiding. He's saying, if you abide in me, if my word abides in you, if you know him, if you believe him, if you remember him, if you per, uh, persevere and uh, preserve him in your heart, that means you're abiding. So I want you guys to ask this question to yourself tomorrow. I want you to literally have a conversation with yourself. Examine your heart and see if you are in the faith, if you are abiding. As we abide with the Father, we share dreams, we share visions, we share plans and goals. We share them. Sometimes people think that we sh when I say we share, you share your dreams and your goals. No, it's not like, well, Lord, I want to tell you about my goals. No, share. You know, like how you, we tell the little toddlers, hey, share. You're not realizing when you abide in Christ and he abides in you, the dreams, the visions, the plans that you have, you share them with the Lord. They're his. He gives them to you. You're sharing them. Which means you should be taking the visions, the dreams, the plans that you have a whole lot more serious because the Lord took the time to share them with you, that you can do something, that you'll do something with that. That's when you're abiding in Christ.
All right, let's go on to John 15, 11. It says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. That He said that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be made full. Christ's joy, the greatest sufferer that this earth has ever seen, was the happiest of men. The greatest sufferer that this earth have ever seen was the happiest of men. What, what kind of joy was this? He's, 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 he's less than 24 hours. He's less. He, he, like his, his death is upon him. It's knocking at the door and he's saying, the joy that I have, I pray that you have it also. So let's examine this joy. Let's talk about Christ's joy. Christ's joy was to do the will of his father who sent him. To have uninterrupted communion with the father. That was his joy. And to see his work completed to the end here on this earth. That was the joy of the Lord. Which means this was Jesus' time. What's your why? What's your why? What's your why? Why do we say, why do we examine and ask the question of what's your why? Because the why is what's going to carry you. We know it all the time. Jesus said it was, it's the joy that was set before him. It was his why. So no matter what was going on around him, the joy, the why was set before him. And he persevered because of the joy, because of the why. And he's saying that same joy that I have that pushed me past the Pharisees, that pushed me past the Sadducees, that pushed me past me wanting to give up, that pushed me past Mimsy saying, oh, how long must I suffer thee? That pushed him past the Garden of Gethsemane when he was sorrowful unto death. His why, the joy, it was set before him. It pushed him through. And he's saying the same why, the same joy that I have. I pray that you have that. Jesus wants this same why that got him through all of the anguishes that he got through to also get us through all the anguishes that may be in front of us. He's saying, I want you to have that kind of joy. This joy can also be our joy when we are connected and abiding in the vine. I'm back to the connection, you guys. I'm back to the connection of the branches being connected to the vine, being cultivated by the vine keeper. When we're connected, the joy can also be ours. John chapter 15, let's read verses 12 through 17. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you that you love one another. It's not too often when we read through the gospels that we hear Jesus saying, I command you. It's not too often that he uses his authoritative tone and says, I command you. Not only that, but he said, I command you, I command you. He said it, he said it twice. Read it. He said it twice. So he used his authority to make the point about, listen, I need you to realize that I need you to love one another the same way that I have loved you. So let's think about it. How did he love us? 
not looking for any advantage of his own, not selfishly uh, uh, loving somebody, not constantly looking to be served, but constantly looking to serve. No longer a servant. We transitioned from in the Old Testament from servant and slave to in the New Testament. Now here we are being presented with friend and sonship. The workings and knowing the workings of the father because now that we're abiding, we're on the inside. We're a part of the family business. So we know what's going on on the inside of it. Only, um, uh, only approachable through the priests and the prophets was the way of the old. But now here we are being able to boldly go before the throne of grace. Now we're, 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 we're completely doing exactly what Jesus was able to do. But now God has become our father, our friend, and our vine dresser. And because, now, and because we have now become a part of the family business, we know everything that's going on. And we know about multiplying. If any of you guys were here uh, Sunday, Pastor John talked about multiply, just as Christ multiplied. Demonstrate the word, just as Christ demonstrated the word. We are to operate and act in the same way, just like Jesus did. And at this point, like Calvary's cross was close to him within 24 hours. And he's telling you, listen, I need you to understand this. Love one another. Remember before when I said in people's final hours and final days, there's nothing more important than the things that they're saying in their last moments, in their last days, in their last moments of breath. You want to zone in on what they think is the most important to be communicated. And he's saying, listen, I command you, I command you to love one another the same way that I love you. Realizing now that all of this soft, weak, disposable love that we are, are known for, now it's like, no, hold on. Jesus is saying we need to love one another in a different way. He's saying the way I loved you. The thing is that Jesus didn't trust us to have our own revelation of what love is. Do you get what I'm saying? He's saying love one another the way I loved you. He, he could have just said love one another, but he didn't. He says, love one another the way I loved you. Now, hold on. He just changed the whole game because now we're learning that love has to take on a whole new shape because Christ is teaching us, no, I am the embodiment of love, but I need you to love one another the way that I've loved you. And Christ, we know, laid his life down for us. And so he teaches us that the way by which we are to meet even alienation or hostility is by pouring out this treasure of unselfish, self-sacrificing love, which will conquer all. Let's go on to John 15, 18 through 25. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. But if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But also these things they will do to you for, for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for, they sin, for their sin. For he who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done, done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. If you want to escape the hostility of culture, if you want to just be like Teddy Ruxpin and just be loved by all, drop your flag, 
button up your coat over the badge that shows that you belong to Christ. That is the easiest way. If you just drop your flag, button up your coat, and just blend in. And do the very thing that everybody else around you is doing. And you will have a perfectly easy, undisturbed life. I remember this show that my husband used to watch called Walking Dead. When it, used to come, it first came out, I guess that was like the most exciting show. And he would just be watching that show. And I, I had a hard time stomaching that show because one, it was like zombies and rotten flesh. And to kill the zombies, you had to get like super, super violent. So you had all, all these chopped up heads and it was just too much because the gore was just like, I mean, I don't know if the producers were like, oh, I'm a top last week. So I mean, this is going to be more blood. Just it was just too much. But I remember this one episode that one of the characters were just tired of fighting the zombies. And they were like, look, I just need to find a way to blend in. And so on this one particular episode, they found a way to take one of the zombies and like cover themselves up with the zombie. And they begin to walk through the crowd of zombies. And at first, they were really, you know, because the zombies were just like, uh, and they were like walking up to them and then they'd walk away. They weren't interested. They weren't interested because there was nothing different about them. You know, they were like, uh, no, he's the same. Okay, uh, leave him alone. But the more this character got comfortable with wearing this zombie suit, the less guarded he was with uh, fixing the suit. And he didn't realize that his backside was out. And so, you know, he's chilling. He's used to kind of running among the zombies with the zombie suit. And he thought the zombie suit was cool in the back, but it wasn't. And the zombie was like, whoop, what? And they sensed him. And, it, and of course, before long, he was devoured and he was a zombie. And the thing is that what we don't realize is that when we rely on fleshly things and fleshly people and fleshly systems to keep us safe, we are no longer in Christ. We are now out of Christ. We are no longer abiding in Christ, but we're out of Christ. Philippians 3, 2 through 3, it says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God. God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the zombie suit. Don't have confidence in thinking that you can blend in if you just continue to do what they're doing for so long. Don't think that they're going to save you because they're not. Just as like you, you look for gold, like oh, back in the day, you know, the miners looking for gold and looking for precious gems and stuff. They find it in the stone. And the reason why they know that they found it in the stone, because the gem or the stone was in the stone, but it was not of the stone. I hope you guys are catching this. Because just because we're in the world, we're not a part of the world. Because the moment that gold or a, a, a gem takes on the characteristics of the stone in which it was hidden in to be a treasure, then it loses its value. It's no longer precious. It's just a zombie, just like everybody else. And what we need to realize is that the Lord has placed us as a treasure here on this earth, not to be of the world, but to be in the world, but not of it. Does that make sense? And we have no excuse to not be separate from the world. So, so, so it shall be of us that God has chosen us out of the world, which means there is a
and the stone, which is the world that, we, that we're found in. John 15, verses 26 and 27. We're almost there, guys. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of, uh, of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. And then almost, it's almost like, it's almost like the most perfect bow, perfect gift that a father has waited way too long to present to his children. That is what these verses mean to me. Like, that's what I feel when I read this. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you. It's almost like I feel like Jesus said as a tear comes to the piano. When, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth. Who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I believe that is the pinnacle. That is part of the joy that Jesus sees. He's like, the helper's going to come, and they're going to be led to all truths, and the enemy can't see them when they have the helper on the inside, when they're abiding in Christ, when they're a part of the vine, when they're in me. They're going to have the helper, and they're going to be led to all truth. Jesus was anticipating this. Christ, Christ tells about the arrival of the Holy Spirit who will come in order to carry this all out and bring it to completion. If any of you have sat in the midst of Pastor John and I when we're, when we're like really passionate, passionately telling a story, like we like to tell the story at the same time. Like I'm not sure if any of you guys have witnessed me and Pastor John like telling a story excitedly about at the same time. So like I'll be like, and it was big. And he'll say, yeah, it was very big. And then I'll say, and then it was like really hot. He's like, yeah, it was like really like we it was just smoldering. It's like I'm like yeah, and like and we like to like look at each other, and be like, huh, right? Yeah, and we're like yeah, and it was like oh, right, babe? Yeah, it was ah. Oh. And Jesus is saying that's what the Holy Spirit's gonna do. When you're telling the story of the gospel, when you're telling the truth, the Holy Spirit's going to be like, yeah, and it was big, and it was awesome. And so Jesus is saying, you're not going to have to tell this story by yourself because the helper is coming, and he's going to lead you to all truths, and he's going to amen you every once in a while. Because just like some of these preachers, which is me, that love to preach and teach to a crowded room of God-hungry believers that says, yes, amen, preach the truth. The Holy Spirit comes along God's people and says, yes, amen, truth. And Jesus is saying, this is the gift that I can't wait to give you. He'll help you tell every story. He'll help you with every adjective. He'll help you with every descriptive. He'll make sure that it's right and not flawed. When we abide in the vine, in partnership with Jesus, it just all works. Like all the pieces and all the parts are there and Holy Spirit comes as this perfect attachment to just make it flow. Jesus is saying, I have made provision for you because you are now, I'm asking you to make provision for me. And now here comes the Holy Spirit that will testify of me. That will testify of me. Romans 8 and 14 says that those who are led by the Spirit of God. Do you know that the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit? Okay, just check it. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Amen. Sonship. Sonship. When we operate and we move in partnership 
in the vine. As we abide, we have a compass, a built-in GPS called the comforter, called the intercessor, called the Holy Spirit that's going to lead us to all truth. Turn left. Don't turn right. Keep Ignore him. Keep going. Talk to her. Hug her. Pray for her. Keep going. Turn right. We will hear more about this great friend called the Holy Spirit as we continue to journey through the book of John. I'm almost jealous that I don't get to teach about John chapter 16, but you guys don't miss it as we continue to journey through the book of, of John. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit more, and man, things are just I'm so excited. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for God's word. I'm so thankful for the trans story of allowing us to see um, um, what his last days were like, being able to hear his teaching and, and hear the truth coming it straight from him. So that's all I got for you guys tonight. Thank you guys so much for rightly dividing the word of truth with me tonight. Man, don't forget to ask yourselves that question tomorrow. I want you to have a really good, in-depth conversation with yourself and examine, am I abiding in Christ? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that you didn't leave us here comfortless. God, you made sure to have every provision laid out ready for your people. It's almost as if you perfectly packed our lunch. And God, I'm so thankful I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for your church. I'm so thankful for the community that you called us to. Thank you so much, God, for every provision that you've made for us. God, I pray right now, God, that every word that was taught tonight, everything that was spoken, God, I pray right now that by your spirit that you're adding it to our hearts. Let uh, the truth of your word grow deep in our hearts. Let the roots grow deep, Lord, so that we can know you, so that we can believe you, so that we can uh, persevere and, pre and preserve you in our heart, Lord God, so that we can trust you. God, we thank you so much for allowing us to abide in you. Continue to lead us to all truth, God. We love you. We believe you. And we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. Have a great night. Love you, love you.